Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Home Wrecker Podcast. I am the Golden Greek Alex Arion, joined as always by my beautiful, lovely, gorgeous, amazing trophy wife, Monique. Monique, how are you this week? Hello, I'm wonderful, thank you. How are you? I'm doing fantastic as always. I feel like I'm either lovely or wonderful for the most part. You feel lovely or wonderful? No, or? every time you ask me that every week, I feel like it's either I'm lovely or I'm wonderful or great. It's always, always good. I need to think of new adjectives. But if you're lovely and wonderful, why would you need to think of anything different to describe it? True. I mean, I th- I'm fantastic as always. So if I say I'm excellent, is that different or better? No, it's, see, it's, Worse? Just, it's different. It's different. Just words. different? Yeah. So you're all about the variety. You can't just yes. be the same all the time. Yes, I'm a Sagittarius. It's just how I am. Is that what that is? Yeah. The, that's <laughs> a astrological It's got to be. <laughs> okay. Well, anyhow, so we're here this week. We are going to be talking about something pretty interesting. I guess we'll determine whether or not we believe it when when all is said and done but it's a pretty fascinating story that takes place in the early 1980s in a place called dodleston england we're gonna call this one the dodleston messages all right i first heard about this story back about two and a half years ago on another podcast actually uh the mysterious universe podcast which it's a pretty big podcast Mm -hmm. it's a couple of guys out of australia that do a podcast Pretty much talking about kind of like the same stuff we do, a lot of paranormal, weird kind of stuff. And this is where I first heard about the story. So basically the story is, it it revolves around a gentleman by the name of Ken Webster, Mm -hmm. who was an economics teacher and also a musician. So he, he, that was like a hobby of his, was he was a musician. So he lived in this cottage in the small town of Dodleston, England. And he lived with his girlfriend at the time. Now, I'm not sure. I've, I've looked, but I can't find any info on whether or not these two are still together. Mm-hmm. But at the time, his girlfriend's name, Deb Oaks, was uh, was living with him. And they also had a friend of his that was living with them, a woman by the name of Nicola. Basically, what happened was Ken brought home a computer from school. And you got to think back. The, this is the early 80s. So the computer he brought home was an early 8-bit BBC microcomputer running the Edward II software. Yeah, old, right? This is the primitive by today's standards. And all it was, it was just basically it was a computer that had a word processor and no graphics. Real basic. Yeah. Kind of like we've been watching the X-Files lately, and you know towards the end of the episode, you'll either have Mulder or Scully typing into a screen, and all you see is just a little cursor, and their words yeah. come up as they're typing, right? It's kind of similar to that that type of deal. Pretty much what started happening was uh, Ken one day discovered a secret file, not a secret file, but a file on his word processor that was titled KDM. K as in Ken, D as in Delta, M as in Michael. So KDM. In it, he discovered some text that was really, the formatting was weird, the, the language itself was weird. It appeared to him and his untrained eye to be old English, just the, the way the words were spelled and the type of words that were used. It, it wasn't anything that was current, and he had a hard time making it up, but to his best guess, it was old English. It's funny, the first two lines 
I'm gonna I wrote them down and I'm gonna read them here. Ken Deb Nick and I see. Uh, true are the nightmares of a person that fears. So those are the first two lines. Now I, I'll let you look at it, but you could see I copied it out the way that it was spelled and, and written in the book, and this is how it allegedly appeared on his computer. You could see the K and Ken is capitalized, and then a space, and then Deb. N I lowercase space C would I, I presume would mean for Nicola, mm. for the girl, the other girl that was there. True are the nightmares, and then all the letters in night are capitalized of a person, the E in person is capitalized, that fears. And then there's a space between the T and the H in the word that. It's just spelled really weird. And then all the letters except for the S are capitalized in fears. Hmm. So he immediately was kind of weirded out by this, understandably so, kind of strange. So what ends up happening over a period of several months is he starts typing messages back and forth with whoever left him this message. And essentially he determines that the writing is old English. He brings the the messages that he's getting to a friend of his in, in the school that he's teaching at. And this guy determines that, yeah, this is old English. This is like 16th century English language. And it's pretty accurate. He, I guess, compared it to some texts that he was familiar with or what have you. It was determined that he was communicating with somebody from the year 1540. Interesting. Yeah. You, you with yeah. me so far? So, so I, far? I'm with you. Yeah. Now, while this communication is happening back and forth, there's also some poltergeist activity that's happening in the cottage. Objects are getting moved. They come home one day and their furniture is all stacked against one wall. Just weird stuff like that. The computer is getting relocated into different spots in the house. At one one time, they find the computer in the bathroom where n- nobody that was in the house knows how it got there. They all claim they didn't do it. Now, again, I'm going to say claimed and allegedly because this is all the accounts of Ken Webster, which he documents in the book, The Vertical Plane, which was so hard to get for the longest time because yes. he wrote this back in the late 80s. Well, why don't you explain to everyone about the book and why it was hard to get. Well, it was it was out of print. It went out of print. But how did it come back into print? Because of that podcast. I, I'm assuming it's because of the podcast and the interest that it generated in this case. Because as soon as I heard the story, I'm like, oh, I got to get this book. I want to read about this story. I want to get more, you know, more in depth and, and see the actual messages and all that kind of thing. It was impossible to get it. You could find it on Amazon for like $400 for a paperback copy of the book. Which, I, mean, I don't care how your funds are, uh, that's, that's a little that's steep a price for a book. <laughs> but but it just actually ended up coming out, the publisher reprinted it uh, about a year and a half ago. So I, as soon as it was available, I snapped, you know, snatched it up just like that. And really, really interesting story. I remember when uh, you first told me about this. Yeah. And I was like, that's really interesting. So I was like, look into it more and let me know. But yeah. I think that was before you actually were able to get the book. Yeah, because I told you about the story when I heard about it on that show, and I, I was unable to get a copy of the book. I was looking everywhere. I was looking on eBay. I was looking on thrift bookshops online, just trying to find a copy, and they were all just super expensive. The The word must have got out that this was a, a coveted text. But again, it finally, when it did come out, I like I said, I snatched up a copy right away and got to reading. 
back to the story because this, this is this is a very layered story. There's a lot of stuff going on now. I mentioned the poltergeist activity. Yes. At first, the people that were communicating with this person, whoever from the, Entity, the year 1540, yeah. we, we don't know again what what was going on exactly, but they were first identifying themselves as uh, the name Lucas. Turns out that wasn't the real name. Uh, they, they gave a false name because according to them, they didn't trust Ken and Deb and Nicola. They thought that they were playing a trick on them or something, and they were calling the, the method of communication a box of lights. That's how they were referring to the computer because now if you believe that this person was really in 1540 and somehow through some weird time warp or time slip that they were communicating through the computer itself, but they said that they could not actually touch it, but they could see it. So don't ask me how the the method of type or, or the, the words were coming up on the screen if they couldn't actually physically touch the computer. I don't know how that works. I, I Again, I wasn't there. I don't understand, the, but that's what was communicated. Now, not only did they communicate through the computer itself, but also through some charcoal and paper that was left out for the purposes of communication because what Ken and Deb thought was that there was some kind of a weird portal or time rift kind of time sharing, dimensional sharing, something like that was happening there. So they figured if you can't communicate with the computer, they, you communicate with this. So that was happening too. They were getting messages through that as well. Not just the computer, so but So was this from this. the 1600s guy? 1540. 16th yes. century. But 16th century, sorry. Yeah, yes. 1500s guy. Yeah. It was gets, he able to... Yes, they the were chalk, they were the they were getting the the charcoal and yeah, it was weird. I again, I don't understand a lot of this and I may jump around a little bit as I get more details popping in my head that I got to mention to you. Deb, the the girlfriend of Ken Webster, was able to see this gentleman who who later identified himself as uh, Thomas was his real name. She saw him in her dreams. She communicated with him through her dreams and Thomas was then saying how he had the interaction with her through the communications. So he was saying how, yes, I talked to you with my girlfriend, Catherine, and we had a big fight because you keep appearing in our house and she thinks there's something going on. So somehow this girl, this woman, excuse me, Deb is dreaming and while she's dreaming, she's apparently, I don't know if it's astral projection or what, but somehow she is in Thomas's time in the 1540s in the same location because, again, the, the cottage, apparently that same location was occupied then by Thomas mm-hmm. in 1540. And Thomas and Catherine, Thomas's girlfriend in 1540, can see her and communicate and talk with her. Now, again, she's dreaming. And when she leaves, they get in a big fight. And he's communicating this, that you're, Deb is causing problems with Catherine and I. He's, he's t- it's all this stuff that's happening. Yeah. It's just weird. It's very bizarre. Go ahead. You're, well, you're going to say something. Go I ahead. look at it like, okay, it could just be everything going on is entering her subconscious. So she's dreaming about it because that can happen. 
is it an astral projection where she's going in and out of time possibly but I wonder if there's something with where they are where there's some kind of portal opening time I don't know if it's like a time slip or something that they keep sliding in and out of like a swing kind of in and out in and out and maybe like they can kind of take turns going back and forth I don't know but it gets weirder okay now once once uh, Ken basically Ken goes and he tries to research and see was there ever a person who this person claims is was there ever a Lucas that was a that taught at this school because Lucas or excuse me Thomas as Lucas before he came out and t- said my real name is Thomas said he was a professor he taught at this school this is where he lived all these he gave all this information so ken and deb went to try to verify it through the archives and through the library records and things like that they were unable to so they called him on it and now the whole time ken is thinking this is my neighbor or a friend of mine that this is just a hoax this is not real there's no way this can be real and it's kind of when you read his book a lot of times he'll even say that so it's kind of hard to follow a little bit in the book as he's talking because he he relays these fantastic things that are happening these unexplainable incredible things but his commentary about them will be yeah i thought the whole thing was ridiculous i just wanted to move on with my life i thought it was crazy so it's like all right dude is it do you believe this is happening do you believe this is real or do you believe it's a hoax so he's trying to verify whether or not this is true and he calls him out on it when he says i looked you up there's no there's no such person and when he did that that's when Lucas came out and said, actually, my name is Thomas. Uh, Thomas Harden, I believe, was, the, was his last name. And at that point, Ken went back again. They verified, yes, there was somebody by that name that lived there at that time who had his academic credentials. He was a professor at a university who actually was expelled from the university because he refused to remove uh, some text about the Pope in one of his writings so they expelled him from the university, and yeah, he lived there. He he was a legitimate person. Now, whether or not that was who he was communicating with is still up up for speculation. Mm-hmm. But when he gave that name, Ken was able to verify it. Now, it wasn't just Ken and Deb that were witnesses to this. He brought on a friend of his, uh, Ken, excuse me, brought a friend of his into the mix, uh, the friend of his um, that was at the university, the professor. And I, I believe his name was Peter... It's live, pal. <laughs> Peter Trinder, that's what it was. Okay, so Peter Trinder, uh, his a friend of his, um, another teacher at his uh, at his school, and this is the guy who was kind of an expert in that old English language, and mm-hmm. he's the one uh, who also witnessed these events. Like he witnessed these communications, he saw them happen. Deb's mother was also another eyewitness who witnessed these things happen, and there was also another friend of Ken's who's unnamed, who uh, was another apparent eyewitness. Now. They did bring on a paranormal research team to investigate these events because, like I said, they were having these poltergeist things yeah. that were happening as well. All these things moving and, and, and the house shaking, things like that. Just normal, typical, I, I say normal, but typical reports of poltergeist activity. They were experiencing this in their cottage. So they brought on this team. This team, again, I'm not a paranormal research expert or anything, but they... I think they flooded this investigation. They didn't really do a very good job. According to Ken and according to other reports that I've read as well, they don't have any records of their investigation. So that's one. So they didn't keep any records. They immediately blew the whole thing off as a hoax. 
and they tried to communicate with Thomas. Thomas, thank you. I've got so many names in my head now. I'm trying to keep them all straight. But they tried to communicate with Thomas, and we're getting nothing in return. So they immediately blew it off and they said, oh, it's probably just Ken and Deb, they're, they're hoaxing the whole thing. Which, again, a story like this, as unbelievable and fantastic as it sounds, I could see where you may want to write it off as that, but to but not actually keep any records. To not document to anything. To not actually, yeah, not document anything, not to really kind of, I mean, if that's your your job and you're purporting yourself to be an expert in this kind of matter and you're not keeping you know doing any kind of real scientific analysis of the situation it's just kind of weird it gets really interesting when thomas comes out and says that yes my name is actually thomas now they start getting messages from another person there's another party that enters the mix here this is where it gets a little wacky 2109 that is the the name of the group that they, they called themselves a group, 2109. They are claiming they are from the year 2109 and that Ken, by calling out and figuring out that Lucas was actually Thomas, they're, they're calling him out and saying that you've ruined our experiments. Okay, wait a minute. 2089. 2109. 2109. What was 1984? 1984 is the, is the year that okay, Ken was in Okay, what was, was the, the, the 1500 year? 1540. Okay, because I was going to say 21... What was it? 2109? 2109. Doesn't that come out to 9, 10, we're 11, not gonna 12? Do, we're not going to do numerology. Okay. Anymore. I'm just thinking numerology. Like, okay, we got three, no. three. Let's not get into that right now. Okay. Right? Let's not get crazy with numerology. Was that it? You were just going to make a numerology Yeah, because I'm just thinking about the years and I'm trying to add them up and I'm like, interesting. I'm just trying to see if there's any dots I can connect. 2109 is claiming that they are conducting an invest or excuse me an experiment and that Ken by figuring out that Lucas was really uh, Thomas he's messed up their experiment and they want him to stop immediately Uh yeah right so okay so like I said it gets a little crazy there the nerve now 20 (laughs) yes now 2109 also has Ken call in somebody else to help to verify the the case if you will okay a paranormal researcher by the name of gary Rowe. they specifically ask for him by name and at this point ken decides okay i'll, I'll go along with this whatever it is because I, I i failed to mention i apologize 2109 came up because thomas said he did not trust Ken and Deb and Nicola at first mm-hmm. because he thought they were just friends of 2109. And that's when Ken's like, who's 2109? And then 2109 enters the conversation. It's weird. Yeah, it's very just bizarre how this whole thing is going on. Yeah. So yeah, apparently 2109 has been communicating with Thomas Lucas in the 1540s and now Ken has kind of entered into this, I guess, bridge between times yeah, and interfered, allegedly, with the experiments of this 2109 group. Weird. Yeah, right. Yeah. Anyway, they bring Gary Rowe into the picture and Gary Rowe, there's like a whole thing that they have to do. They have to sign affidavits that the 
papers that they're giving each other because what happens is 2109 wants sealed communications between them and Gary Rowe to take place with Ken as the conduit, with Ken not knowing the content of the messages. It's really bizarre. Okay. So Ken has to take whatever messages he's getting that, that he prints out on his computer. He cannot look at them. He has to seal them in an envelope and deliver them to Gary Rowe, who then writes back or whatever, however they do it. Because again, Gary Rowe has come out and said he will not say what he was supposed to do or the communications that he had. But all he says is that he's sitting on the information that could make him a rich man beyond anyone's wildest imagination but he is not going to release it, be- I guess, because he was entrusted to keep the secrets. But he's saying that he knows in his heart he's sitting on that the, the story is true and everything is true. And he cannot say how he validated it, but he validated it. And it's 100% accurate and true. And that 2109 is really from 2109. And, uh, and that Thomas is really from 1540, and the whole thing was legit, according to Gary Rowe, but he will not say how he verified it, how he came to this conclusion. He will not release any of that information. So it's very kind of, oh, take my word for it and It's hard trust because it. you could look at it from two different aspects. He's a good guy who's trying to do the right thing and keep this information. Like He's like, I did my research, but I can't release it because he was entrusted with it. Or it could very easily be him just saying that to look like the good guy, but he really has nothing. Exactly. That's the thing. So it's kind of hard to determine like what's going on here. Yeah. But that's kind of where the story ends. After some communications back and forth with 2109 and some... Oh, and, and I left that apart. There was a, uh, a fun development. I don't know about fun, but uh, interesting development that happened with Ken and uh, Thomas... And Thomas was, apparently he was accused of witchcraft back in the 1540s because he was communicating with somebody through this light box. I guess the people that he told in his time thought he was crazy, which I guess understandable, right? Yeah. And so he was actually arrested and put in jail. And at the time that he was in jail, a friend of his who believed him went to his cottage and saw the light box and communicated through the light box with Ken and Deb and let them know that you've gotten my friend in trouble and bastards yeah you've gotten my friend in trouble he's in jail they're they're gonna execute him whatever you know the witchcraft all this stuff they're accusing him of and so Ken and Deb feel bad so they tell the guy bring the sheriff to so we could talk to him We'll, we'll try to get we'll see if we can get him out of this mess that he's in and so of course the sheriff comes to the cottage sees the light box and immediately becomes a believer and and believes what's going on because he actually sees it and gets the communication from ken and deb saying we are not demons but we have the powers of demons and we will make your life a living hell if you don't let our friend go so of course they let the friend go and he comes back and he's just under house arrest now until he's cleared of all the charges (laughs) but that was kind of an interesting development in the story that i thought was do they ever see that in the history like this guy was accused of witchcraft not that i'm aware of not that i saw i don't i don't know i don't know if they kept those kind of records i mean the records that they found were that he was a professor that he his tenure was from this year to this year and that he was expelled and the reason for his expulsion that kind of stuff yes but i don't know if they kept records for 
Do they ever? I mean, he was never convicted, so I don't know if you would have a record of that. Do they ever ask him to like bury something under the cottage or in the backyard of the cottage so they could like dig it up like in a certain location so then they could like dig it up to see? That's like Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> that's like Hollywood. Um, that's the word I'm looking for. But if you're Verifica- communicating, it's yeah. like verifying you know, something like you'd see in a Hollywood movie. Yeah, no, you're right though. But I like, mean, if they're from well, that point that. in time, put it somewhere where it wouldn't be touched. If they're in yeah. the same location, right. Put it where it won't reasonably be found or touched, and then go look and see if it's there. Did that happen? No. But when you mentioned that, I'm like, that's totally like a Hollywoodized way of verifying something. But it would actually, I guess, in theory, would work if this actually happened. If this was a true thing. But not to my knowledge, no, that was not done. Now, again, I mean, everything he documented to the best of, uh, I, I presume to the best of his recollection, everything in his book, The Vertical Plane, but I'm sure there may have been other things that were not put in the book that may have happened. We don't know what Gary Rowe did to get any kind of verification. And Gary Rowe is actually, he's been active on a couple of different message boards and blog blog boards and things like that where he's commented on this particular case and given his thoughts on some things, but he still has not come out and verified anything. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. There's another. He's not, see, that's what I mean. Like there's things I'm going to remember and pop into my head. Thomas, before he ended communications, said that he was going to write a book and that he ended up writing a book with the help of his friend and publishing it so that people would know that what happened really happened. 2109 says that the book was written and published but it was hidden but it will eventually come out and when it's discovered everybody will see that what happened was true people have been looking for this book since this whole ordeal happened nobody's found it yet but 2109 says it will be found they didn't say when it'll be found but that it will be found and when it's found this account will be proven to be true i am presuming that gary Rowe must know something about this book i would think because otherwise how else would you i i can't i guess i'm sure there's ways but i can't think of ways that he would have verified this whole story to be true and and his communications that he had that was another thing with the communications he was having back and forth with 2109 i'm talking about gary Rowe now when he was passing the envelopes when they were getting passed back and forth deb noticed that there was some strange markings that would appear on the envelopes that hmm. were not put there by her or by Ken, but they would just appear as they were giving the the communication back and forth to Gary Rowe. Yeah, really weird stuff. You you told me about this. I think it would be interesting to share one of the poltergeist-like things that happened in their cottage with the footprints. Yeah, and that's actually, thanks for bringing that up, that's actually how the story starts in the book. Ken details how he basically he starts the book off he gives a little bit of a background of the, the type of town that that Dodleston is it's a small town quiet town a lot of kids playing yards that kind of thing and he has Nicola move in because Nicola was living abroad I say abroad she was like in Africa or something and and was teaching and wasn't making any money so she came back home and needed a place to stay so he figured oh, I'll let her stay here till she gets on her feet and she can help uh, redecorate my place. While they were there one day, she noticed that there was some strange footprints that were appearing on the wall, walking up the wall and to the ceiling. And they appeared to have six toes, 
but they couldn't really make it out. So they were kind of looking over them, kind of puzzled at the at the sight of them and not really sure what they were, if they were footprints or what it was. But they appeared to have been there for a while. So they end up painting over them. And then the next day, Ken comes into the room and notices fresh footprints. And now he could tell, yeah, there's definitely six toes. And they're going... It, it not in the exact same spot, but now they're in a different spot, kind of shifted over on that same wall, but going up the wall and to the ceiling. And so he immediately is like, well, okay, who's messing with me? Yeah. What's going on here? He calls the, the, the women into the room. They see it. And Nicola freaks out, doesn't want to be in there. She immediately is spooked by the whole thing. He thinks it's got to be kids or somebody just playing a prank because back then people didn't really lock their doors. There was really, it was a small town. People Did he take any pictures? Not to my knowledge. There was, there's plenty of pictures in the book. There's none of that. Because he said that they painted over them again, and they never appeared again after that. But that incident is what opens the book. Okay. But yeah, pretty, pretty weird, it, right? It's weird. And it's like, I wonder if there's like fae, if there are fairies, and they're just messing with them, and they're moving the things around. Th- that could be. I, I mean, I don't know. But the, the weird thing is the... I mean, and actually, that, that theory could explain the messages because if it's something that's been around that long, maybe speaking in that kind of a language, maybe that's just the An language. An elemental. Something like that, sure. I don't know. If this is real, mm. that's a, as good an explanation as any, I guess. Well, what I mean, I'm wondering is, it any more is far-fetched did somebody than, open a portal? Let's say 21109 opened up a portal. Like 2109. This, 2109. Yeah, that one opened up this type of portal and because of that maybe elementals were able to travel through it and be a part of it so it attracted fey and that's why everything got moved around and there's footprints. who knows that's the thing with this whole deal it's it's so bizarre and it could be anything it could be a complete total hoax the whole thing but just a very well done hoax because the the old english alone I guess it was br- the messages were brought to several different experts who all verified that they were definitely old English, mm-hmm. the dialect all matched, everything seemed to be legitimate and va- and it was verified as being that language and that's how people would speak back then. So they went through a hell of a lot of effort to pull off this hoax. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. And people who knew Ken have come out since online. I did a lot of digging and research online, different message boards, websites, things like that. And there are people, again, it's all online, so who knows, but there are people that claim to know Ken who say that he was a pretty normal, straightforward... I mean, the guy was an economics teacher. Not that that excuses you from any kind of question, but he was an economics teacher. His friend, uh, uh, Mr. Trinder, who helped him verify the the old English language was also like a pretty old school, straightforward kind of guy. They weren't really the type that seemed to be into this kind of thing. And like I said, even reading the book, Ken comes off like he thinks the whole thing is ridiculous. Well, I think possibly the reason for that, you can look at it one of a few ways. He's doing that because he truly is a skeptic and he doesn't quite believe it himself. Yeah. And he's trying to grasp what's really happening. Or he's trying to do it to look like he's a skeptic if he's really fabricating everything. 
Or maybe he just doesn't, he truly believes what's going on is real, but he wants to appear skeptical because he doesn't want to be judged as harshly. It could be any of those things. It, or, or something I didn't say too. I mean, sure, there's yeah. a lot of possibilities. Yeah, of course. And that's the thing. But okay. I get the feeling like he's trying, like he's skeptical, like he can't quite grasp what's going on. And that is probably why he's saying that. But who really knows? Yeah, who, I, again, who knows? Who knows with the whole thing? Yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to say. Yeah. But what do you, I mean? What do you think over with this whole thing? Like, what do you do? You think that something? I mean, obviously, it's not something that happens all the time. But do you think this is something that could possibly happen? That just sitting there with this primitive machine able to communicate through time? We've heard so many stories about so many different things. Yeah. That have happened with time and other dimensions. I think it's totally possible. Do you believe... I mean, obviously, just based on what I'm telling you, knowing the details that I've given you, just, again, to the best of my recollection and and the notes I've taken, do you believe this particular story? I don't know. I I don't quite necessarily understand it all, I guess you could say. Does that mean it's not true? No. I think it would be pretty cool. If it was true. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is it is tough to follow because there's so much yeah. to it. And again, when, when 2109 appears, that's the part that it gets really wacky. They're very cryptic with their messages. A lot of the things they say are just kind of like, okay. Like, it just doesn't make any sense, a lot of the stuff. And the introduction of Gary Rowe into the, into the story, it just kind of... What year did John Teeter say he was from? 2036. Okay. So they're, they're not they're not connected. But if he had things where he... I'm just saying, if, it, if this is... I'm just trying to look at things we discussed before. Yeah. Because if he could time travel, then by that point, I'm sure they could do things with I'm gonna going thro- through time. I'm going to throw something at you that this was... This is a term used by 2109 in okay. communications. They talked about tachyons. Have you heard that word no, or term before? I don't okay, think so. that term was used by them in their communications back in the eighties, mm-hmm. and it was a term that didn't really resurface or that anybody knew what it was until CERN came into prominence, and they they're using that now. That that's a term that's used uh, in describing the Higgs boson particle that they say they've discovered. Interesting. I, I don't know what that means. I'm not into physics or any of that stuff. I mean, I've read some things, but as far as me retaining that information, it's not something that holds my interest enough to, I guess, to really determine it's whether or not it's valid. Though. It is interesting that they use those terms. It's these back weird then. coincidences. Yeah, it makes you question it. Yeah, and it's like, okay, was that because? Somebody from CERN read this book, knew the story, and said, hey, we need to name this particle. Well, we'll call it a tachyon. That seems kind of cool. Possibly. Or is it because 2109 is really from the future, and they knew that tachyons would be used to describe these particles that CERN was discovering? I don't know. It's It could be. It could be any of these things, right? That's the genius of the story if it's a hoax. Pretty much. You can explain it in so many different ways. You could justify it in so many different ways. That's a, that's yeah. why stories like this are so fascinating because you can go, it's a hoax because this, this, and this. But the, you can also go, but it's not a hoax because this, this, and this. 
it's got all these different it does it's awesome these different elements right it's so really cool pretty. now I'm, I'm really surprised this again this book came out and it had a limited print run they did a story on it on a uk documentary series uh in the in the 90s so it happened in the uk as we said and mm-hmm. they did a documentary on it in the uk and then it didn't really get a lot of play after that but i'm really surprised that just the story itself being what it is and being as fascinating as it is that they never actually made a movie about it or anything now that may happen now who knows yeah it's becoming more popular because of that podcast yeah and and i've seen a lot of different blogs talking about it now and i've seen it pop up on a couple of different paranormal message boards so how exactly like how did the communication cease 2109 said that they're only going to go until a certain time that was another thing i paul i'm gonna we're gonna jump around a little bit but there are two chapter sevens in this book which really? is weird. There's a chapter seven that comes after chapter six. And there's a chapter seven that is sandwiched in between chapters 23 and 24. Interesting. Which is weird. In one of the message board posts that Gary Rowe was communicating on, he was talking with somebody and said, and somebody asked him about the two chapter sevens. And he said that there's a lot of information in the book that, if you read between the lines, you'll be able to gather a lot more information. And one of those is chapter seven. Hmm. Pretty pretty weird, pretty interesting. So I read over chapter seven a bunch, and I, I the second chapter seven he was Gary Rowe was talking about, and I can't make heads or tails of it. I don't I'm not sure. Another interesting thing that I did, and we'll get back to your original question, I apologize, but while I'm thinking of it. You know how recently we've been talking about the TV show Hellier? Yeah. And because uh, I was thinking about that as you were talking about this, a few things came up. Just for fun, before we started, and I didn't tell you I did this, but just for fun, I went to naeq.io. This is the website that anything you input in here, it does the secret cipher. I wanted to do that. Really? That's, yeah. I was thinking, okay, okay we're going to have to do another show on this because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to run the numbers of that, of that, what he sent, that sentence. Ken Deb, this one? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I did. I ran that in just for the hell of it, yeah. just to see what I'd get for results. I had 92 matches. Some of them are pretty interesting. I'm so not gonna, why don't I'm you not read, gonna read all of some them. of the interesting ones? Sure. Let's see the first one. Mystical Lord, the half of the word of Herura, Ha called Hur, Pa Krat and Ra Hur Kut. Don't know what that is. You'd have to look that up. Another one. The law love under will the priest of the princes, Ank Fn Kansu. The cube in the circle come unto me is a foolish word for it. Beauty's sake and love's despise, also all cowards, professional soldiers who dare. Us, the five-pointed star with a circle in the middle, and the 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 five-pointed star with a circle in the middle. That isn't that's a pentagram, right? Or a, a pentacle? Pen, or a pentacle? I guess you can't really tell if it's upside down or not from just that. But a king thou canst not hurt him; therefore, strike hard and low and to hell. Hmm. There is help and hope in other spells. Wisdom says, "Be strong." Then, I thought that was interesting. That is really interesting. Yeah, just kind of like what? So I entered that, and and I entered it exactly as it's spelled yeah, and written in the book, with the, with the capitals and the spaces and everything, and that's what I got. 
Now, if you mess with that, if you don't put it in exactly, you get different results. Mm-hmm. So I, pu- I put it in exactly as it appeared in the text. This is what I'm getting. A single robe and covered with a rich headdress. I love you. I yearn too. Pretty interesting Maybe that's thing, why uh, Catherine was getting jealous. Uh, against the people, oh my chosen, I am the secret serpent. Oh. So is I, I'm I reading a couple of these and I'm just thinking, okay, is this like a demonic entity perhaps? If there I mean you could say that because of the poltergeist activity that's taking place. Yeah. We know that there's tricksters and things like that, right? Is mm-hmm. it a trickster that's just playing playing games and having some fun with, with Mr. Webster and Deb? I don't know. Because if you really think about it, demonic entity or or something like that would know Okay, there was a person living here at this time. I can just, I, I guess. I mean, right? It's, it's, but it it's could also plausible. be Faye. It could, right? Yeah, but that's the thing. I mean, it's as plausible a theory as any other one, right? Based on the fantastical elements of this story, mm-hmm. why not go with a fantastical theory? Yeah, I'm calling Faye. That's what you think this is. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of like time rifting going on, but I think the Faye have kind of worked their way into it as well. How about this one? Four gates to one palace. The floor of that palace is of silver and gold. Interesting, because like four gates, I think of like north, south, east, west. So does that mean that maybe this particular cottage is on a piece of land that sits geographically somewhere that maybe a portal? But that's what I'm saying because there's a way where to... the location is. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna go fall back to Hellier. Go for it. When they're in Kentucky in, I think, Somerset, the guy, one of the guys they're talking to is saying how the apartment they lived in, the girlfriend, she'd see like the, the wife. Therm- yeah, the, the wife would yeah, yeah, see yeah. the thermostat like slide and move. Yeah. And I wondered, are they in this position? The 50- 37th parallel? Yeah, but I think where that town is, it's the 52nd when I tried looking it up. Okay. So I don't know enough about that to speak of it but i was like i wonder what parallel it is on the other side but i was like hmm, yeah no it's it's i think the 52nd but i just wondered are there these magical kind of dimensions where just in the right spot these things can happen has anyone ever had anything happen to them in that cottage after you moved out apparent yes is what is what has been recorded, but nobody can get details. The only thing I was able to find was that there have been people that lived there after Ken moved out and that they also had experiences, but it didn't say what. So I thought that was a little strange. It could be because... It could be because the people that lived there didn't want to, didn't want any publicity. They didn't want any And they think of a resale value. I guess. Because <laughs> people think a house is haunted. Well, nowadays people think a house is haunted. They'll probably be more apt to want to go buy it. But back in the 80s and 90s? Perhaps. I, I don't know. But that's the only information I could find was what the, that after Ken moved out, there, the residents that moved in after, I don't know if it was the people right after or a couple people down the road, who knows, but that people did have experiences. Hmm. It didn't say what type of experiences. It didn't say if they were poltergeist, if it was electronic communications. It didn't say, yeah. but it, it did say that the other residents did have experiences. That's interesting. Now, again, read into that what you want, but I don't know. Now, there was another book that also documented and, and gave a little bit of an update on the case, and that was uh, the book Phantom Messages uh, by William J. Hall and Jimmy Petanito. I believe I'm saying that last name correctly. 
and they document it as well. And they have uh, a little bit of communication with Gary Rowan here too, where he again kind of briefly talks about the story, but he doesn't, again, he doesn't really give anything away as far as why he believes it's real. Again, Thomas Harden, he was a real person from Dodleston. According to the 1884 Oxford Historical Society records, he lived there and he, I believe he said he was a graduate of law in 1538. So yeah, I mean, the records have this person existing. So he was there when he said he was there. Again, a skeptic could say, well, they just looked that up. They found somebody and went with it, but... Now I'm going to go back to your original question of how did the communication end. 2109 provided a date that all communications between everybody would end. So I, I mentioned that before that I thought that was the case. It is the case. I'm verifying again. I'm, look, I'm reading this book. And now this is something that was not in the Vertical Plane book, but in this Phantom Messages book, they talk about how the date that 2109 provided came and went mm-hmm. and a guest of Ken and Debs insisted that they try again to communicate. Ken obliged and a message did appear, but it wasn't Thomas. The message had no meaning to Ken or Deb. However, the guest turned white when she read the message and fainted. After recovering, she refused to talk about it with anyone. Yeah, kind of weird, right? Now, reading that and uh, again with some of the other stuff that I've read, Gary Rowe said that because he was questioned on the validity of this again on, on one of the message boards and he said that 2109 in their communications was providing him with personal information about himself that nobody else knew and that's how he knew they were legitimate because they were telling him things about himself that only he would know so i'm thinking to myself like what could that be what could you pot like what you scratch your ass when you go to sleep at night. Like, what what is it that but they know about they, you that nobody else would know? Is it because they can see what he's doing, or is it they've looked up his history? But again, but it's only things that he said only he would know, not his wife, not anybody. Only he would know. So is that because they are able to again, like you said, is because they can see through history and see things that he's done? Can they observe people at, in any environment at any time? when you're you know, in the shower, you, what, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. can they just see you wherever you are? Or I don't know, but he said that that is what caught his attention and, and verified to him that what was happening was something legitimate. And he said that he verified it through other means, which he was not at liberty to discuss. But that one of the things that made him a believer at first was the fact that he was given information in these sealed communications, these sealed hmm. envelopes between 2109 and himself through Ken and Deb he was given personal information that only he knew about himself, that nobody else would know. Make of that what you will. This is what he was saying. So did anyone else after that woman who fainted, did they try it again to see if it Not worked? to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. Now, I have to bring up, too, that the computer, it was not Ken's. It was the school's property, and he was just borrowing it from the school and bringing it home to do work projects and things like that. So that's Were why computers rather large in the eighties. This was a this was a small computer. There's pictures of it in the book. It was one of the first micro micro computers that was uh, excuse me that was released. So it was it wasn't enormous, but it it was it wasn't it was it was you know you ever, you ever seen like a small Mac yeah. like one of the first Macs? It was about that okay. size. It wouldn't take up this whole table or anything, but it probably you know, it was a good size. Because I'm just thinking if he's going back, it was and portable. Forth it, was, the, okay. it was portable. So yeah, I mean it wasn't. 
small enough to be portable. Okay. And yeah, he would take it to and from the school, so it wasn't, and it was always the same computer. Because so you wonder, is it somebody from the school trying to messing mess with, with him? Or, yeah, but but things would happen where where the computer would be in the cottage for days at a time. It's not like it would be no, okay. I, no message. Take it to the school. Come out. No, come I, home I, and I get that. You know what I mean? It was things would happen. But I'm saying if somebody knew he had the computer, maybe they. I could mean, mess a, with him. absolutely, it could be possible. Now, again, when I was going through the message boards and reading through a lot of the different theories and things like that. There was somebody that came on claiming to be friends of the the professor Tr- uh, Tinder, okay, who spoke about him and the and was able to get him to talk about the experience because again he was an eyewitness of the whole thing. He's the one that verified the messages were old English, mm-hmm. and this person said that he was a very old school, straightforward kind of guy, and when talking about the case. Hmm. He seemed to believe that it was legitimate because he couldn't explain it otherwise. And he could not explain why somebody would hoax something like this because there was nothing to be gotten from the it's hoax. It's true. It's not like they were trying to make any money from it. You're right. And that's the thing. I mean, aside from Ken writing this book. And it was more so to document it and get it out yeah. there. So. Hmm, and it was yeah. also at the behest of 2109. Yeah. Wanted Ken to write the book too. That's another. That's another piece of this. Well, it's so, interesting because Thomas allegedly wrote something. Twenty one oh nine is writing something, and then he writes something. Yeah. I wonder. It's like uh, it kind of makes me wonder. Did something like this kind of go on? So you have this kind of linear from like the fifteen hundreds to the nineteen hundreds to the twenty one hundreds, and you wonder could, is could it be. could that be happening somewhere else too, and we just don't know about it. It's possible. Yeah. And I mean, the, the other part of that too is, could it be that, like what you said, why didn't he have them bury something? Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe 2109's having them write these books to document maybe. this. Maybe. So that So that when we hit 2109, so we we'll know, we oh wait. yeah, this was legit. So yeah, I mean, yeah, eventually it'll yeah. be proven to be true, but will it be proven to be true in our lifetimes? Uh, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, I that. hope so, because yeah. that'd be cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard to say. But yeah, the, this person that was sitting down with uh, this professor said that he was a really straightforward guy and he, and he could not for the life of him understand why anybody would hoax this and what anybody would have to gain from it. Yeah. So they believed, I mean, this person believed his story and believed that he had nothing to gain from it. And again, it's not like they went around and did the talk show circuit afterwards. Yeah. They just, they did that one. That was it. They did that one documentary and I, I didn't see it, but from all the accounts that I've read of it, they sat with their backs to the camera and had their voices altered. So it's not like they were looking for publicity. Yeah, sounds they, like they were looking for the opposite, but they wanted yeah. to get their story out. Right. Your opinion on this whole thing? You think this is legitimate? You think it's a, a big old hoax? I'm going to say it's legit. Yeah? Yeah. Think so? I think wow. so. All right. Okay. And I think the fae are involved. <laughs> you think it's so you think it's some kind of a fairy otherworldly type it's of thing. The t- I think that whatever is going on with the time is allowing the fate to get involved. Okay. So it's like opening up this magical portal for them to kind of drop in and be, I guess, cause more mischief with all the poltergeist activity. Okay. All right. Yeah. What about you? I'm still on the fence about the whole thing. I think a lot of this rests on Gary Rowe. I think that if he has this evidence that he purports to have that he should come out with it to prove that this is absolutely a real story, a legitimate story. 
no offense to the man. I don't know him. I don't really know a lot about his work, but I can't just take your word for it. I don't care who you are. I don't want to take your word for anything. sometimes you just have to do that. You just, you have to take in, a leap of faith. In this case, if you want to believe the story, yeah, you just have to take everybody's word for it because mm. there's no evidence. There's no, I mean, you have, okay. again, you have the, the evidence of the, the text, of course, of the messages, but that could have been hoaxed. Well, I'm taking that leap of faith. But, I, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say, I'm I'm skeptical but optimistic. I guess. Okay. Is that is that fair? Okay, that, that's I'll, I'll fine. give it. I'll I'll leave a little bit of an opening for some proof. Yeah. Because I I can't just blindly accept something that's this fantastic. I'm not blindly accepting. I'm just taking it for what it is, and I'm like, okay, let's go with it. Fair enough. I I didn't. I'm not. Don't mean to disparage you. I'm just. <laughs> I'm just saying. That I need a little bit more than than what's okay. been given to me, but if nothing else, hell of a story, yeah. and I'm really surprised. Like I said before, this hasn't been picked up and turned into a TV show or a movie of some kind. I'm sure now it probably will be, mm. but the fact that it hasn't yet is amazing to me, especially considering the crap that comes out nowadays. Oh gosh, the remakes of the remakes. The re- yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, that's where I'm gonna leave it, but. Let us know if you've got any thoughts on this, if you've actually read the book or heard the story yeah. before, if you've got any theories. Go to our forum. Go to our forum. Yeah. Let's let's talk about it. Let's hear what you have to say. We're always interested in Yeah, we'd in, love to hear from that. you. So, yeah, definitely hit us up. We have a Twitter account. At Pod. Our other social media is Instagram. Homewrecker Podcast. And on our website, homewreckerpodcast.com, you can get a t-shirt or a tank top. Whatever you prefer, you can get our logo, which we have up here, or if you're watching, or what Alex is wearing, the family dinner t-shirt. You can choose t-shirt, tank top, whatever floats your boat. Sure. Help support the show yeah. by picking up some cool merch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and definitely when you go to the website, create a profile, sign on to the forum. Let's yeah. let's get that community growing some more. You don't have to use your real name. No, of course not. No, nobody uses a real name on message boards, do they? I don't, I don't, I don't think so. You should see some of the names I saw in some of the boards that I was going on and w- when researching the show. Nice. It's pretty, pretty creative, fun stuff. But yes, definitely hit us up on any of our social media. If you haven't already and you're listening, please go on over to iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. Hit that subscribe button and go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. And if you're watching us on YouTube, also hit that subscribe button. And up, like. And, like our and, episode. And like, sure. Absolutely. Of please course. Please and thank you. Until next time, I am the Golden Greek Alexarion. I've been joined, as always, by my beautiful, lovely, gorgeous. <laughs> you like when I say that, don't you? I like. I just like being complimented by you. Well, it's not. It's it's true. It's all true. Thank you. My amazing. Love that smile too. It's incredible. Everybody's puking now. They're like, okay, enough, guy. <laughs> Get it over with. My trophy wife, Monique. And you've been listening to the Homewrecker Podcast. Mm-hmm.